Advice. This is part two of an episode called Work That Works For You. Welcome to part two, guys. In the last episode, part one, also known as, um, we took a couple of questions from people that were struggling with work-related dilemmas. Uh, the first one was someone who was really struggling to A be- wind apart. A what? A, a wind, wind apart. apart was yes. having trouble. Yes, was having trouble with... Um, figuring out how to devote so much time to a full-time job and still be happy amidst Mm -hmm. that. Uh, How can anyone be happy when they have to work so many hours of the day? Exactly. And so we talked a little bit about some some ways to um, do that, to create more freedom, to create more joy within that. Work fewer hours of the day Mm -hmm. and enjoy the hours of the day that you're working more. And so if that's something that you would like to hear us talk about, go back and listen to that episode. Go back and listen to that. Over and over again compulsively while you jack off. (laughs) Otherwise, if you choose not to do that, you can just stick with us uh, mm-hmm. with this episode because we're still going to be talking about yeah. work-related dilemmas. And last episode, let's not forget, we also had uh, Plumpkins Evergreen talking mm-hmm. about this annoying coworker she had who's always incessantly chatting. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? Do you tell that person, hey, you're annoying? Mm-hmm. Or do you just kind of put up with it? We answered that question, I think, also beautifully. And we kind of got to the meaning of life. So if you're interested in that topic, uh, um, go listen to that. Yeah. Well, it was to be more specific than just the meaning of life. uh, It was Mm -hmm. how to articulate your truth Mm. uh, and stand up for what that is. And in this case, it was this person's right to be at work and not be annoyed by this person or bothered by this person um, while still... uh, communicating it in a way that is from a loving place or from a this is just how I feel place and letting that giving that person and yourself then the the freedom to make a better choice about how you want to spend your time or protect your time which related back to the first question which is the meaning of life which is exactly (laughs) oh sorry your summary was actually totally effective Uh, I could have just shut the fuck up needed a little explanation from some of the uh dum-dums in our audience or for some of the dum-dums in our Whoa. audience let's just be audience let's just be audience here <laughs> the honest that we work for it's full of dum-dums <laughs> okay can i be audience there's a lot of dum-dums listening to this podcast <laughs> what? what was any of that that you just said listen there were let, a lot of let me be audience okay yeah the honest <laughs> that tunes into this show is full of dum-dums <laughs> And as we learned last episode, Rob also likes to call me a dum-dum. So it's okay. You guys are in good company. We're all dum-dums here, except Rob. Rob is above all of us in a pyramid. Yeah, well, (laughs) here's why I'm at the top. Because Please tell us, great overlord. (laughs) I admit, I'm a (laughs) dum-dum. You know? I'm not holding on to any pretension of, I am the pharaoh. Mm -hmm. Put me inside of the pyramid, for I am not a dum-dum, but everyone who's made the pyramid is a dum-dum. You know, that was my... um, Yeah. That was my King Tut impression. Was it good? Wow. It was... Tut-rific. 
Thank you. Yeah. Um, my one friend saw Lincoln, the movie, with uh-huh. Daniel Day-Lewis, and his yeah. parents were like, oh, he did such a good Lincoln. That was just like Lincoln. And he was like, what the fuck do you know what Lincoln yeah, sounds yeah. like? Yeah, what? No, there's no recordings of Lincoln. <laughs> I've seen a picture. <laughs> he, he acts like the guy was in the picture. <laughs> he was so tall and really wore yeah, that hat. what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So anyway, yeah, that's just what I wanted to say about the dum-dums, Ooh. is that um, I, I, I wouldn't call anybody a dum-dum if i didn't know that yeah when it gets down to brass tacks and nails on the chalkboard it's gonna be i'm a dum-dum too for yeah sure. we're all dum-dums yeah and the 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 least dum-dummy thing that i could ever do is admit that i'm a dum-dum so mm-hmm. the way the way of the path out of being a dum-dum is to start not by saying you're a smart gene but admitting that you are a dum-dum and what flavor dum-dum are you i feel like i would be like there's a cream soda one that's delicious have you had that? Be grape. Um, Gra- try and increase Ugh, my appeal to. What a terrible choice. I mean, whatever. You know, hmm. I don't want to yuck your okay. yum. I just did. I don't care. You did. Grape's disgusting. Yeah. What's wrong with yucking a person's yum? What's wrong with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it it can feel kind of like uh, minimizing, or it's like, why did you even ask? Like, you're going to criticize. This is my choice. This is my opinion. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What if it's somebody's favorite thing in the world mm-hmm. and now they have your voice ringing out in their head whenever they enjoy that thing or want to? Grape is the worst choice ever. <laughs> How dare you like penis when you should like vagina? Ah, uh, yeah. That's, that, that's yucking yum. That's yeah, a big scale yucking true. yum that we're all familiar with. That's true. And uh, But sometimes it's so tempting when you find out that somebody likes to eat poop, you say... <laughs> <laughs> How is that yummy? Yeah. Isn't that yucky? Yeah. Um, I don't like this expression either. I tried Yucking someone's yeah, yum? Yeah. I tried saying, don't yuck my yum, and did not like the way that tasted in my mouth. You know, I don't actually like it either. Um, but I haven't found it. But it's very succinct. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like one of those, like a San Francisco lesbian with glasses who's definitely better than me or thinks that she is is gonna tell me oh well it sounds like you're yucking the yum and if you had read the literature you'd know that (laughs) that's not something we do in 2019 where i'm from yeah and i'm like i'm gonna go vote for trump thanks (laughs) 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 thanks you just converted another one (laughs) yeah i think that some people have an aggressiveness to the political correctness that is very mm-hmm. off-putting. And mm-hmm. I'm sure I've been guilty of that. Oh, sure. Yeah, we can't, uh, any, any, I, both of us, I'm sure, to the, to the wrong listener or to the right listener, depending on your perspective. We're self-righteous like, dum-dums. Oh, for sure. Stuck up our own asses, Who of think course. we know all the shit and mm-hmm. have never been through shit. And whether you're from a slave morality or a master morality, you're looking at us like these two are on the bottom of the totem pole. Sure. So now that we got through all of that, why don't we get back to the matter at hand, yeah. which is work dilemmas and everything work that comes with that. Dilemmas. Yeah. Dirk Willemmas. Dirk Willemmas. As they say. But we got Dirk. Put on, we got Dirk. We got Dirk to woo. Here we go. <laughs> Dirk to woo. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> That's that's a great potential second slogan yes. for free advice. Let's get bound to Disney. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Question. Stay the fuck up about my Disney. What's this all rap? This is mine, oh mine. Is this some kind of rap? Yeah, it's Roll Out by Ludacris. All right. So you remember how the last question yeah. was about this annoying seeming man at work? Mm-hmm. 
Sure do. Sure do, boss. Well, we got something that's kind of on the other end of things, if you're okay. willing to entertain that. Very willing to entertain. All right. Here's what happened. Excuse me. I have to burp. <laughs> Kept my mouth closed for all of our listeners who are seeking advice on the best way to burp. <laughs> Do it with your mouth closed. <laughs> if you can. Burp if you're recording a yeah. podcast and you it, can. Or say you're... Um, Sharing a place with uh, a roommate and mm-hmm. they're within earshot. I think the best way to do it is just to, uh, yeah, close your mouth first. It's it's sort of like you could rip ass and fart really loud. Mm-hmm. Or you could just spread your cheeks a little and let the toot come out silent or go to the bathroom. And let's be honest, a burp is just a fart that got lost. So treat mm. it the same way with respect and care. Like you would um, a little baby that was left on the doorstep of a fire uh, station. I think of it like releasing a little butterfly. Where you're like, oh, oh, yeah? oh, that little piece of me that used to be out of me is now flying through the air. Woo! Oh. <laughs> Bye! And... <laughs> and it might land on someone else's nose, gently. And, <laughs> and when it's a fart, it's like the cat or poop that slips out. <laughs> <laughs> slips out the back door. It's never metamorphosized into a butterfly. Yeah, exactly. I think actually a fart is more like a butterfly, though, because it undergoes more processes internally. I was saying it, that they both were, because the, they no, come out both. as air. Either way, you know? they're butterflies, and yeah, yeah, butterflies yeah. Are, are like a thing in the air that like floats Exactly. Along. Got it. Exactly. Caterpillars then are like turds. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. And what's P? Ooh, good question. Incomplete metaphor. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's abandon the podcast. Err. Free advice has been canceled until further notice. We found out we were unqualified. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) This is what proved it was we couldn't complete the Caterpillar poop metaphor. What we learned or what what I learned uh, at Burning Man this year, the theme was metamorphosis. So there was a lot of Caterpillar becoming butterfly kind of aphorisms floating around. But one thing that I learned from a uh, performance was that um, the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and before it becomes the butterfly it completely liquefies yeah, ooh, that's and then pee. becomes the butterfly so that could be the p um completely liquefies yes it loses its eyes and its brain ah uh, that's a good question maybe wow. i don't know but uh does it remember caterpillosity mm, probably not would be my guess but i have no idea does it remember things at all does, does a butterfly right. remember being a butterfly this right. morning i don't know does yeah. it remember what I had for butterfly breakfast? Who the fuck knows? Um, but probably, the significance... You could probably guess. <laughs> probably doesn't get a lot of variety. <laughs> what do they eat? Pollen? Smaller insects? Pollen? <laughs> pollen? Question I think mark? it's pollen. I think okay. they eat flower jizz. Okay. Um, but the the really beautiful metaphor for this process of transformation that the caterpillar undergoes to become the butterfly is in turning to liquid, it completely changes its state unrecognizably and i think it's a pretty painful and strange process to undergo to completely change your state of matter to morph into something completely new Uh and the idea is in order to make a very daring transformation but one that is necessitated by nature and evolution and in order to get to the next step you have to be willing to you know give something up to really uh go within yourself deeply Mm. and uh take a leap into the unknown this is the hero's journey. Exactly. The caterpillar who becomes the butterfly by giving up everything that it had of the mm-hmm. safe life as a caterpillar. Mm-hmm. And then it emerges with a new power. It's yeah. back on that same branch, but now yeah. it can fly. Yes. It goes from pee, from poop to pee to a fart. <laughs> wow. 
just every poop dreams of being free as a fart. You can be released anywhere and cause such joy. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. What an impact farts have compared to poop. Poop Ooh. so rarely gets its time to shine in the sun mm-hmm. unless you live in a particularly... Um, in a dog park. Yeah. A lot of poop there. Yeah, but even then people want you to Scoop squash it. it right away. This yeah. is actually, um, I read an analysis of what To Pimp a Butterfly was about, um, uh-huh. Kendrick Lamar's seminal 2015, um, probably album of the decade, according to a lot of critics, uh-huh. at least hip hop album of the decade. Um, sure, sure, really sure. did a lot of uh, good for jazz rap and for um, the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, when Kendrick was interviewed about this only years after he wrote it, he said that um, it was a metaphor where he had initially wanted it to be To Pimp a Caterpillar. Hmm. Um, because that spelled out Tupac in the acronym oh. and that the caterpillar that he was referencing was a piece of poop that a dog left at a dog park and how, when you You're have kidding. that type of caterpillar, yes, when you have that type of caterpillar out in the sun, um, society, the man, whatever the forces that yeah. be, white people, white record industry want to come along and scoop up the poop, Yeah. um, pimp the caterpillar. And uh-huh. that's what, and then the label later on made him change it to, to pimp a butterfly because they're like, that just catchier. And he was like, all right, T-P-A-B, not T-P-A-C, Tupac, like two. The, yeah, the, yeah, the two. yeah. Um, and he ends the album with a conversation with Tupac. So it's clear that he like had that intention all along to make this um, dog park poop metaphor. Wow. I, I don't know where to go from there. Well, just don't. Just let it be. I think. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm not going to Don't try. even flush. Why? Yeah. That's what that's what Kendrick is. That's <laughs> what Kendrick would have wanted. <laughs> Rob tried to take a sip of water and then say something comedic, and it just failed. I got so excited, I forgot Aww. that I was trying to drink, and Aww. I got I was too committed to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the dangers of being too committed to a bit for all those fearless improvisers out there. You die of dehydration if you're too committed to yeah. the bit. Yeah, you gotta relax, take a sip of water, <clears throat> move on with your life. Some unsolicited advice here. Anytime sure. you're learning a new skill. One of the 10 steps that you have to do is honor your physiology. Fantastic. Thank should you. we, um, sh- now that we've gotten all of that important stuff out of the way, yeah, yeah, yeah. should we get back to the, the work? A Reddit user named Defika, D E A F I K A. Interesting. Defika. Is it like Jessica, but you're deaf? <laughs> I mean, my name is Jessica, but I can't hear shit. So I think I'm going to go with Jessica. <laughs> All right. Jessica asks, I'm, should I do the voice for the whole question? Do you think that enhanced? <laughs> totally up to you. I'm not going to because okay. I'm self-conscious about that. I, yeah, I agree with that. Ah, 31 female. I'm interested in a guy. 31 male. At my job. So mm-hmm. she's 31 and female. This guy is 31 and male that she's interested in. He's really straight-laced and a real big rule follower. Mm. While we are allowed to date at work, I'm not sure how he would feel about it, as he is kind of my indirect supervisor. Ooh. While he doesn't conduct my reviews, he still evaluates my job performance to my actual supervisor and oversees my work duties. So here's what I did. I figured out that he really enjoys D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. And then I figured out how to get involved in D&D. Wow. I joined my own separate game and told him about it. Uh, Offhandedly, I mentioned that 
once I know how to play, that I'll have to join his guild, or whatever it's called. And he replied, <laughs> the more the merrier. What I'm hoping to do is to get to know him outside of work and see more of his personality and develop a friendship and see where it goes from there. Am I doing this the right way? Wow, you've really brought a tremendous amount of life and context and energy to the role of Defica here. Thank you. I just you. want to point that I out. I studied improv at the Upright <laughs> Citizens Brigade. It's evident. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> The sight reading skills are, you know, <laughs> call Hollywood and tell them they got their next die. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> Only if you get your dad's haircut first. <laughs> oh, what do you think I'm growing this shit in for right now? Oh, my God. I'm going to see my dad. My Christmas gift to my dad is going to be a picture of my head. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Dad. You did it right. You knew exactly what I should do to have, a, to have that look. <laughs> I've got that movie star quality looks now. We ain't going to be going second class nowhere ever again, Pops. It's you and me, first class to the top. <laughs> um, so the the joke here, which if you've been a long-time listener, you may yes, know, is yes. that Rob's dad thinks that Rob would really have some star quality if he grew his hair out and did it exactly like he does I it. mean, you're handsome, but <clears throat> if you, you just grew your hair out, <laughs> you would have movie star quality looks. <laughs> He says as he swipes back his own hair of the exact length he described. Um, and checks himself in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> Smiles. Winks. Does a finger gun. Um, okay. Defica. All right, Devica. Devica. <clears throat> Your solution here is yeah. clearly date my dad. No. Um, <laughs> are you doing this the right way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was the stated goal again? What's the, que- what's the question? Dating at work. It's, it's, she's interested it's just in kind the guy. of like, is it appropriate she's, or or well, should I go for it? Or what, what do you guys think my of my three-point I'll, summar- <laughs> I'll summarize it. Please. I'll be Defica. Yeah. I'm interested in this guy. Yeah. He's kind of above me at work. Yeah. He follows all the rules. So I'm worried that he's going to see this as some type of conflict of interest or just yeah. disqualify right. me and not want to be into me. But we're allowed to date at work and I really want to date him. So here's what I'm doing. I'm... Doing some research on him. I figured out he likes Dungeons and Dragons. I'm getting into Dungeons and Dragons as an attempt of bond to bond with him and have something in common that we can hang out outside of work, get mm-hmm. to know each other, and then maybe he'll be into me like I'm into him. Yeah. Okay. Great. Am I got I a couple thoughts. Okay? I got a couple thoughts. Great yeah. recap. Thank you. Um, the first thought is I think it makes sense for you to assess outside of a work context what where your interest is in him. Okay. Because I think that uh, you don't know that much about him probably mm-hmm. and i think it would be nice for you to i know he loves to follow the rules right right so we've got a couple little snippets of, i like of him to follow my rules <laughs> we're really painting a picture of her that is just probably so off base and i want to stick to like what we really actually know which is I very little a, i have a rule which says <laughs> let me see your lips while you're talking because otherwise it's hard um fantastic um <laughs> That was such a no, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like we've, da- you know, dawdled quite a bit and I want to give her like the goods of Thank the you. actual advice. I want advice. the goods, especially for my 31 year old male coworker. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so I think it's, I think that it is smart for you to take the pressure or take the, uh, social situation and the a- additional role that you're trying to add onto your relationship with him yeah. to something outside of the work context. Okay. So you so. can kind of feel out like, what is this person like outside of work? Yeah. Am I still interested? Do we actually enjoy the same things? Like, cause it, what if he's 
like 100% all about D&D and you find out from your exploration of it, it actually doesn't jive with you at all and it's not something you're interested in. That might be something that would be indicative of larger mm. incompatibilities between mm. the two of you. Okay. I told my friend I was doing this. Okay, I'm not sure you should like be I, So I told my friend that I was doing this. Sorry, I, can I continue asking my question in the comments or is that allowed on the podcast? Um, okay, with, with the caveat that I'm not sure this is the best approach for us to take, but please, I want you to... Well, this is my issue, so yeah. I, I can come up with another issue if you want, but um, uh, yeah, right now I'm asking about so my 31-year-old male coworker. So I told my friend that I was doing this. Mm-hmm. And she said that it was weird and t- too much. She mm-hmm. said that it was like kind of uh, like needy or if he found out that he'd think I was weird and he wouldn't be into me because I learned how to play Dungeons and Dragons so that he would like me or maybe that we'd get to know each other and like each other. Yeah. Um, is my friend right or is this okay? I think number one, it's whatever is okay. You know, I, I think there's a way to do something that is too much. And there's What's a way to do like? something do that's I'm not too much. Well, it does seem as though you've done a lot of legwork on the back end of trying to make this relationship work. Yeah. But I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I think that you now have the door open to be on an even playing field, literally, like play Dungeons and Dragons with him. Like he I found said out the more. I really there. like being a dwarf paladin. <laughs> I'm finding this very difficult to like. Why? I, <laughs> Have you ever played? Uh, no, I've never you'd played. Make a great paladin. I don't know if you'd be a dwarf. Um, but you're giving me this like very dead in the eyes kind of stare. That's I'm like sorry, it's I hard to. Oh my god! Oh my god! Do you I'm want so me to put on the blindfold again? Um. <laughs> um. So. I think that it all depends on the way that you show up to this outside of work activity, because if you have this expectation that because you did all of this uh, back end work, that it's going to result in a close friendship or it's going to lead to a romantic involvement, I think that could be problematic because then you are going to be putting him into a box where if he doesn't fulfill your expectation based on the amount of effort that you've put in, that it might endanger your work relationship too. And that could be problematic. So I think that there's definitely some uh, things to consider here as far as how much pressure you're putting on this situation to work out the way that you think you want it to now. Um, That all being said, I don't think that you've done anything wrong by any standard. You're just not going to get fired or you don't think it's weird. Well, did you say that the you're you're technically allowed to date your coworkers? Yeah, I think that there's potential potentially problematic territory when you're talking about someone who is mm. not just a colleague but a superior. When there's that power, so I should dynamic. quit my job to date him. <laughs> um, I would see how your plan goes first. Approach it with an open mind. See if you guys get along, and try not to put too much expectation on it going any certain way. Mm-hmm. And if you guys find that the interest is mutual and that it's a natural fit and that it flows, then you can go from there. But I wouldn't jump too far ahead on the ladder because then you really risk being disappointed because you've developed expectations about how you want this to go. Because so far all we know is that there's there's interest going one way 
and you're kind mm-hmm. of asking the question, is the interest oh, going yeah. the other way? And we don't know the answer to that yet. I really want to know. Yeah. How do I, I find we'll out? Have to wait. Well, when is, have you made a plan to play Dungeons and Dragons with him? No, I'm not good enough at the game yet to ask him to play with me, but I'm getting really? there. Really? Yeah. There's a, you feel like maybe he could teach you how to get better. I'd love for him to teach me. <laughs> I mean, you, that would be a way for you to feel out if the interest is mutual. If you said, you know, I'm starting this, but it's complicated. And I was hoping that maybe before I jump in in a more what in a group context. What do you think he meant when he said the more the merrier? I've been thinking about that a lot, the way yeah. that he said that. I quoted yeah. it in my question because he yeah. said the more the merrier, like the more the merrier. What does that mean? Uh, the literal definition of the expression? No, I mean, I've heard that. But like, yeah. what does it mean about what he thinks about me? Well, the reality is we don't know. And there's really no amount of theorizing that we can do to get to a concrete, oh, objective answer. Come on, Morgan. <laughs> Don't you ever just theorize about like when a guy says something? Oh, all it? the time. And, and that's, that's how I know exactly how useless it is. <laughs> <laughs> but but let's, look, let's fucking go He's there. Gotta be look, telling let's me fucking something. go there. Yeah, so, what's he saying? Honestly, you want my honest opinion or you want me to sugarcoat it for you? Um, Sugarcoat it. Okay. So... He seems like a guy who is down to be inclusive, which is great. And the more the merrier. So, you know, I'm happy to have you come along and join and join our group. And we like we I value inclusivity and it's not necessarily a comment about me. Right. Well, it's not necessarily a comment on. Yes, I specifically want you to be there. That's 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 sort of the unsugarcoated mm. version. It doesn't it doesn't say anything either way. I asked you to sugarcoat it. Well, then he's in love with you, and you should definitely quit your job to date him. Okay, now I know you're just fucking with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am, because you're fucking with me. All right. How about I start to learn uh, all things about the Bachelor, and I invite you over, and I, I get you to watch the Bachelor with me, and then fucking pee in your drink. How would you like that, Morgan? Morgan Beard. Yeah, that's right. I just said your name on your podcast. <laughs> this is this is very weird. I don't know. I, I don't agree. know to what extent I'm going to continue playing I wish, into this. I wish that you had not invited me on to this episode. <laughs> and I wish that Rob was here so that I could hear what he would have told me. Because you're coming in with just saying that you're going to be nice and then you're mean. And Rob, I feel like, just would understand a woman's experience in a way that a woman never could. Mm. And I really what were you hoping Rob would say to you? I kind of wish he would Okay, let me think about him. Yeah. Does Rob like any games like World of Warcraft? Or yeah, anything that I could yeah, see? yeah, yeah that one do you for think, sure Do you think if I played World of Warcraft? I could invite Rob over to play World of Warcraft Yeah, probably that would probably work. Okay Here's what I was thinking that he might say, "Hey, <clears throat> hey, Defica, <laughs> um, it's me, Rob. I uh, really just want to say, I'm. I can relate a lot to what you're doing because I've been really attracted to girls, and in the past, you know, thought maybe they'll think that it's not okay for us to get together because, like, either." we were friends or we worked together or there's just some type of boundary that I was really worried about breaking when I know that they're like uptight. And it actually meant a lot to me to hear that somebody else 
uh, is going through that, and especially a woman, because I can Sometimes I just think it's like, oh, this is something that guys are doomed to be in their heads about. Women just get people offering dates to them all the time, and uh, it actually was was pretty cool to hear that you do what I do, and I often like, man, I think about things for like hours, days of, oh, what's the best scheme to connect with this person? Because that's what it really is when I think about it. Is like, I just wanted to connect with somebody, and. I was hoping that they would want to connect with me too. And sometimes that looks like sex. Sometimes that looks like just a real honest conversation, like getting vulnerable, trusting. That's what I think I want is when I'm really into somebody, I want them to trust me. And so I do some crazy things and come up with schemes that are way more elaborate than like learning Dungeons and Dragons to try and be their friend. Mm. Um, And what I found has helped me is to try to not be attached to any one outcome uh, that they'll like me back or that that person will trust me, but just to focus on and try to enjoy the desire that I notice in myself for them because that's not something that they're doing. That's not something that they can take away from me. That's something that I'm doing for myself. And when I can enjoy that desire without being attached to them liking me back wanting to play a game with me, whatever type of connection I'm looking for with that specific person, then I'm I'm free and I'm happy if I can enjoy desire without attachment to the outcome. It's a super hard thing to do. And that's like an advanced move. And I just, I hope you find it someday. That's been good for me. And, um, you know, to get there, I think it it's another part of the self-love thing of like, caring more about how you feel about yourself than how anybody else feels about you and providing your own validation. And that's super hard when it seems like there's somebody who's so important and you just got to know them. And I've been there and that's been a lot of my life. And I just want to, you know, if you're looking for connection, looking for somebody to relate to, you've got it in me because I've been in that exact same position for a long time. And I guess I just hope that he would say something like that because that would make me feel better. Yeah. Can I ask, uh, what was it like for you to, how, or how did it affect your ability to see the issue by a- adopting a different persona and giving yourself that advice? Oh, well, I actually think it was really helpful just to imagine that somebody else was like feeling like I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and just imagining that somebody else like, liked me and understood me that felt pretty good and I think I would do that again did it give you a new perspective it sounds silly but yeah kind of just by like pretending to be Rob and then thinking about like what I'd want him to say and then saying that out loud mm-hmm. it was it felt like different from just thinking it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like writing down what I hope Rob would say or like saying it out loud, doing that Rob voice that I did was actually like something, even though I know Rob can't be here for this question because he went to the bathroom at the beginning um, and you guys edited that out of the episode, <laughs> I still kind of feel like I got his advice and I feel good. That's great. And that's something that is really valuable about when you get 
regular help from someone outside of yourself. You begin to internalize a version of them inside of yourself that you can then consult in order to get an opinion that isn't biased by your own self-perception and the distortions that come with that. Mm. It's a really valuable tool. I'm glad that you discovered that today, Defica. So you mean every person that's ever loved me never really leaves me because I carry on the way that they see me inside myself as a possible way of seeing myself? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Thank you, guys. You're so welcome. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, it's that apple with that peanut butter. I did, oof. <laughs> Straight I to the toilet, a, eh? I took a big shit. Yeah. How um, was it? How, what did it feel like to get that out? To get that out? Yeah. It was something that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know. I wasn't going to sit here and just continue pretending to be Rob when fucking I had to be a big pooper on the toilet. So anyway, I'm back. Great. Um, Fantastic. Did you, did you handle that one okay? Uh, you know, I am a little uh, concerned that I didn't approach that with as much uh, equanimity as I could have felt a little caught off guard, but um, it seemed like she figured it out all on her own. So I was like, I didn't even need to be there. (laughs) Uh, I think sometimes being a challenge to a person is actually a way to help them. And maybe you did that for her. I don't know. I wasn't listening. I was blowing out my ass, but yeah, I think that that's something that I often uh, overly shy away from mm. is being an antagonistic point of view. Sometimes a person needs an antagonist to fight against. There's um an episode of Scrubs about this about uh, the docking charge. Scrubs. You never watched it? No. There's a bad guy mm-hmm. who runs the hospital, and mm-hmm. all the doctors hate him. And there's one episode that is from his point of view. Mm. Most, most of them are from the, I see the young guy's point of view. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's one yeah. from this old head of the hospital. And he reveals to the audience that he knows that he's being a bad guy and oh. it's actually a loving thing to unite everybody under hating him. And he mm-hmm. kind of s- smugly chuckles to himself as they all are like talking about him behind his back. And he's like, everything's going as planned. Wow. And it's a benevolent uh, wow. bad guy. And it's like, oh, wow. I like that a lot. What a perspective Because it justifies me being all kinds of dickish in my life. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Um, all right. You want to do another question? Uh, Let's fucking do it. All right. Great. Can I uh, request that you don't go to the bathroom, take a big shit during this one? <laughs> I'll see. I might have to take a shit. It's hard. To... I'm glad we edited out the moment where I did that. But... Yeah. Oh, thank God. But do you want to just edit out the whole question? Or do you think it's valuable for our listeners? I mean, we can. I don't know. I mean, I um, we've recorded it. I'd love. It's to, a thing here, that exists. I'd love to listen to it. Okay. Um, on the recording just to mm-hmm. see how you did by yourself and then let's discuss mm-hmm. afterwards and if you're hearing this conversation sounds like we left it in guys <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. all right <laughs> um this next one is uh related to work um and specifically letting other people work when you're not working mm-hmm. you ever been in that situation Yeah. I mean, as someone who doesn't work in a traditional nine to five framework, I can relate to the feeling of 
okay when I decide that I need to take a break because yeah. it's not time when I'm supposed to be working, knowing that I do work other times where other people aren't working, yeah. you know. I have to let myself have those allowances, but I still have that old program of guilt running. Like nine to five, Monday through Friday. If I'm not being productive during that time, I'm losing the race. Something like That's that. That's been my yeah. programming. Yeah. 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 Okay. So this is from You Betcha Mom. <laughs> I think that's a reference to Sarah Palin. Ah. Uh, if you guys remember Sarah Palin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. played by Tina Fey on Saturday Night Live. That might be how you know her. Played by Sarah Palin. On on Sarah Palin's uh, on life the, the <laughs> on the national with Dick stage. <laughs> that was probably her big TV event. Was the debate with Dick Cheney? <laughs> exactly. The one vice presidential. No, that wasn't him. It was Joe Biden. What the fuck am I saying? Of course, she didn't run against Dick Cheney. <laughs> Dick Cheney's going to be the only vice president to serve, serve four terms. <laughs> he was just such a good vice president that Obama was like, you know what? I want to surround myself with my foes in the same way that Abraham Lincoln did. So I'm going to run with Dick Cheney. Keep um, your enemies, uh, your friends close and your uh, enemies closer. Guard your faces, bitches. Because <laughs> he's coming out shooting. Okay. It was birdshot. That's why I didn't kill the man I learned recently from Dave Chappelle's stand-up special. There's birdshot and yeah. buckshot, you know? Huh. So he shot the man with birdshot and that's why he didn't die. Oh, wow. <clears throat> um, anyway. You betcha, Mom. Mm-hmm. You betcha. Says, is it rude for me to sit on my couch watching TV while my cleaning ladies clean my house? I feel like an asshole sitting here crocheting and watching TV as they work their ass off cleaning my house. I feel like I should help, but I am paying them very well. Ugh. I actually have a, quite a few thoughts on this to just Great. come right out of the gateway. Um, the first thing that leaps to mind is if it makes you uncomfortable to be around when the cleaning people are doing their work, get the fuck out of the house. I mean, I mm. I don't linger around. I like to what be if, out of their way. What if they steal her jewelry? Um, I am the kind of person that does not expect that. And especially if someone is employed on a regular basis, it's not really in their best interest. I'm a trusting person. I don't know. I, I feel comfortable with it. very well. Or she is paying them very well. <laughs> Sorry, Uh, I have some issues with boundaries, people, and sometimes I forget who I am. Uh, Yeah, so um, that would be my first um, impression, is if it makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to stick around Mm. for that. Although, of course, if it's a time where you are planning on just relaxing on your couch, um, then, you know, by all means, you're entitled to do that. Yeah. Um, The second thing I would say is, fuck no, don't help them Um, while they're there. I think that mm, people would probably think that you feel like you were in the way or it was weird. They might feel uncomfortable that maybe they might feel like you think that they're not doing a good enough job. I don't know what there's just a lot of potential ramifications that don't need to be like opened by you jumping in to do that. However, if you wanted if you had some guilt and you wanted to make the job a little easier for them, of course there are things you can kind of straighten up and prep before they come, before they get there. I'm not saying anyone has to do this. I come from a family where we like cleaned fastidiously before the cleaning lady came. <laughs> I was, was going to ask about that. Um, what did, what's your impression of that as a child in a family where you're I always cleaning thought the house ridiculous. so the cleaning, room, cleaning <laughs> crew can see a clean house ridiculous. when they get there? Um, it is. Because that's the whole <laughs> point. Correct. That's the whole point. You're it's like they're correct. there to clean and why yes. are we paying someone to clean if we're going to clean? Um, but my mom's standard of what was clean was just so unreasonably high. Yes. Um, but for this person, I would say 
if it's triggering that sense of guilt or just like I can't relax when I know that they're cleaning and I'm just sitting here, I think you need to get out of your space. Yeah. That's the that to me is the easiest solve to this. That's the outside in solution. Right. Um, of course, there's the OK, let's talk about what that guilt is about. Yeah, that's the big opportunity for growth here. Of course. I'd love to answer this rationally, which I think we did. And then we did answer the emotional. Yeah. So the, the rational part. is get out, do something else or prepare in advance if if you want to help it their job be a little easier. What belief do you think is informing this guilt? Um, I, 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 I feel that there is a, some semblance of a leading question in there, but I'll bite. Um, what is that bad? No, no, I, I, just, I am trying to lead you. I, I have a theory and I, I have a, um, I have a bit of an inherent dislike of leading questions because ah. when I was younger, my parents did this to me all the time to like quiz me and test me. And I just found it really aggravating and patronizing. Well, um, does it help if I tell you that if you're wrong, you're a dum dum and I don't want to podcast with you anymore? Um, I actually think that would be pretty neutral given everything that's gone down already on this episode <laughs> that you fucking thrown at me. <laughs> so at this point, <laughs> I don't care. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I meant the opposite by the way. Sure. In case that wasn't clear. It's fine. I understand that uh, there's a sense of like, well, I have the privilege of paying these people to do this quote unquote dirty job thing that I don't want to do thing that I want off of my plate so I can do things that are more important to me by some measurement of what's important. Um, and so with that, I think there's a sense of guilt and a sense of Ooh, do I really be, do I really deserve, which I think is what you were leading yeah. me into is, do I deserve to be in a position where I am, uh, probably in a higher socioeconomic class than the person I'm hiring to clean my house. And I think that produces a lot of guilt for yes. people. Um, that's great. That's what a you want me to say. Oh, thank stay you. Stay on the podcast. Thank Please God. keep being my friend. Oh, thank God. I passed. <laughs> You're worthy. Yeah. Um, I heard a, so I had, I worked for someone who uh, was a business coach and she talked about the releasing ourselves from these limiting beliefs about what happens when you make money. And I thought she had a really good viewpoint on, well, when you set your sights high and you make a lot of money, you can afford to create your own sort of miniature economy that orbits around you. And you can afford to hire people who are good and deserving of the work and want to do those jobs. And you can afford to pay them what they deserve to do them mm -hmm. well. And by doing that, economy. you're supporting. Interesting. Yeah. I like that idea yeah. a lot. Yeah. So by doing that, you are supporting your own sense of I want to pay people adequately for what I value to be done in yeah. my day-to-day -day life. And I don't think it matters if it's cleaning or cooking or uh, some other more white-collar, let's say, um, position. I yeah. think that, I don't know. I mean, hmm. I, th yeah, The ahead. advice I hear from that then is pay them what you think their work is worth. Mm -hmm. And if you're comfortable with that, pay them what you think their work is worth for you to be able to crochet in front of them. And maybe what you're paying them right now is <laughs> like viewing. Yeah, like maybe there's tax. an extra five dollars an hour for you being able to crochet. But there's probably yeah. an amount of if you were giving them a million dollars a day, you'd probably feel fine about crocheting mm -hmm. in front of them. Mm -hmm. But if you're giving them the rate that they asked for or a minimum wage or something below minimum wage because of some loophole or something, yeah. 
then maybe that's where the guilt about crocheting in front of them comes from. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's you feeling like you don't deserve the, the wealth and opportunities that you have when you know what was given to you and what you, or, or you have a sense of an, an opinion about what's given to you and what yeah. you earned. Or you just recognize that there's an inherent unfairness to yeah. the lives that we're all born into and the spread Maybe of opportunities. Maybe you never had to clean somebody else's house yeah. for money and you feel guilty about that. Yeah, which is okay. Here's the, the rational argument I just want to say is when you take your car to the mechanic, do you get under the car with them on those little <laughs> skateboards and get your face all oily? When you take your hair to the barber, do you trim the left side while he's working on the right you don't do any of these things when you pay a person Mm -hmm. to do something for you you're paying them to do that thing for you and not to assist you in doing it yourself Mm -hmm. so if it's something that you have done in the past such as cleaning your own place or maybe you're cleaning the place of you and a partner or a family or something like that and you maybe there's some belief that this is something you should be doing to be valuable Mm -hmm. in that relationship Mm -hmm. or in that community Um, Take a look at that and ask yourself, well, am I valuable in other ways? Is my value based on things that I do for these people or just who I am? Yeah. Another question I would ask is um, what is your relationship with asking for help with things and just and allowing other people to do services for you and not feeling like, oh, well, if someone else has their hands busy, I should have my hands busy Um, because there's that there's that sense of like I'm too lazy or I'm too dependent on others I'm not independent enough I'm not whatever it is it's like any of these different possible framings where you are measuring yourself against what else is going on can often be traced back to some kind of living limiting belief or some kind of program that's running in your mind based on the way that things were done in your house growing up or the way that they were done at a friend's house or, you know, any number of people that were had an early influence on you. Mm-hmm. And so any of them can be unpacked and lifted off with some practice if yep. you choose to. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's important to see the world that way, to recognize that it's my choice to sit here and watch them clean and feel guilty yes. or it's my choice to get up and do something else or to pay them more. So I feel good about doing this mm-hmm. um, or to clean myself if mm-hmm. I feel too guilty about it. Yep. Um, but Those I think either way, yeah, either way you do not have to sit there and soak up the guilt. Yeah. That is toxic bullshit. And it's not what you're paying for. You're not paying there to be paying to be feel guilty. And I think you're asking for that permission and that yeah. validation that crocheting is okay. And it absolutely is. Fuck. Yeah. To answer your question in short. Yeah. Keep crocheting. Yeah. Enjoy the shit out of that. You're paying and if it's really annoying to you, go to the other room and, or you yeah. know, maybe you're worried about you need to be there to watch or something. And it's like we talked about with, um, you know, the the uh, what was the first guy's name that you keep remembering and I keep not remembering? A wind apart. A wind apart. Um, it's like the reason that we work so hard to earn money is to be able to afford ourselves certain luxuries. And whether or not maybe. we end up feeling guilty about utilizing that, is it, it doesn't matter. That's what you've done that for. And to then deprive yourself of enjoying it or getting the value out of it, which is, you know, an hour where you're not cleaning your house is an hour where you're paying them to clean your house. What is the purpose of sitting there and feeling bad about it? I don't know that you can just assume that the reason that a person works for money is to enjoy certain luxuries. 
I'm talking about this person specifically. Okay. Maybe. They, they're they enjoying the luxury of they can afford to have someone clean their house. Sure. So I'm making an assumption about their okay. lifestyle. I'm not saying in all cases. Gotcha. Um, but at the tier of success that I can assume this person is at based on the fact that they've hired someone to clean their house. Uh, I would like to say the tier of resources. What success did I say? Success is different from resources available. Yes. Yes. So success strictly along a financial yes. Sorry, metric. I, I feel like I'm jumping down your throat and correcting you on things. No, I mean, like you're not back. wrong to. You're not wrong to, and I don't want to um, let something that isn't accurate or, you know, isn't gotcha. aligned with what I actually believe to, to sound a way that it's not intended. So, no, that is important to me. Because, I mean, I, I honestly, like, have unraveled the definition of success for myself so many times that, like, to me, that word is almost meaningless at mm. this point. It doesn't mean, um, like, I'm happy and inherently living a better life. It's just like, well, well I've decided that finances is how I define success yeah. for myself, and a lot of people here do. And so I that's, was I think, one of the that. biggest limiting Huge beliefs mistake. Yeah. that keeps people unhappy. <laughs> so when you said something that I think reinforced that, yeah. I was like, well, if we're talking totally. about limiting beliefs, I should probably, for the listeners, say that success is not how much money you have. Right. Or if you choose to define it. So it does not need to be hundred percent. I have never personally defined success that way, probably to my detriment. <laughs> I have in narrow ranges and things. Um, I think that this person's really happy with our response, so we should move on. Fuck yeah! All right, next is Dana's question. Dana asks, "How to allow yourself to rest and not feel guilt for being unproductive?" We got in from our honeymoon last night. And I just don't want to face all the stuff left over from the wedding and life in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on a similar vein, it's like, how can you in a modern world where everyone is so go, 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 this, that, the yeah. other, you have to be busy. You have to look like you're doing this, that, like, how do you actually allow yourself to steep in being restful and being yes. still? Um, recognize that your worth is not your productivity. That's mm -hmm. a very difficult thing to do in a world where worth is equated with productivity. Yeah. Can we talk about, can we spend another yeah. like a minute on that? Sure. Um, I don't know if you want to say all of your outlined things and then mm. go back, but That's I all think, I had. Oh, okay. Because I, I want to talk about why is it so hard to disconnect worth and productivity for us right now? Hmm. For you and me right now? I mean, as a as part a, of this uh, society for, we live in, not, our not just you and, and me, Robin gotcha, Morgan. Gotcha. For Americans, let's yeah. say, in 2019. For any, yeah. Hmm. Do you have anything? Um, i got to think about it for a second. Yes, um, I do. So uh, in a capitalist society, and I know that I'm someone who kind of like comes down pretty critically on that. And it's not because I, a lot of people when I talk about the the issues i have with capitalism We're like well what do you think would work better and i'm like i have no fucking clue i'm not an economist <laughs> but here are what i see as some of the problems with capitalism yeah. is that it pushes this narrative that you're um you're meant to continue to climb up this ladder of acquiring material goods and amassing wealth and if you don't participate in that system you're in some way going to be like left behind it's this engine that's going to keep running, and if you don't get on it, yeah, you're not going to uh, fit in socially. You're not yeah. going to be perceived as beautiful. You're going to be judged. All yeah. these different things that make it narrower and narrower and narrower to just be 
acceptable as you are. Yes, you need is, more and more things. Uh, our our society, our standards are are such that they rob you of your acceptability, which is inherent to you, so that they can so that it can sell it back to you. We have for a mm-hmm. long time surpassed the quality of living standard where with the resources that we've generated, everyone could live a good life in this country with um, their basic needs being met and mm-hmm. participate in communities. But the uneven distribution of wealth and resources, as well as um, in the invention of needs for things mm-hmm. like deodorant, whiter teeth, um, those are just two physical ones, but it, it applies to all Areas like, you know, uh, fashion brands that have a little alligator on the shirt Mm -hmm. or um, a certain Mm -hmm. type of software or a certain type of technology that has a B for beats on the side of the headphone. Things that all of these um, qualifiers or things that uh, there are corporations that have an interest in convincing you that these are the things that make you worthy to the other, to other people. This is a symbol that shows them that you are of a worthy status and so we're operating in that world now where like Mm -hmm. it's about for many people and much of the time and myself included Mm -hmm. what you have is shorthand for who you are Mm -hmm. and so when you see someone who has nothing or has very little it can be an automatic as as a victim of this system it can be an automatic uh, dismissal to realize that person doesn't have shoes on. I was on the subway in New York and I saw a beautiful woman and she was kind of dancing and cha- talking to herself. And I realized she doesn't have shoes on. And I looked at her feet and they were very, they had been outside for a long time without shoes on. And I realized she doesn't have a permanent residence. And I was really attracted to her a moment ago. And now I feel a weird shame about it. And I was like, I've never found a hot homeless woman before. Really? Yeah. Well, that I didn't look at initially as other through the lens or beneath, of this or is some, somehow disqualifying first. her as a yeah. potential interest. And this was a strange experience for me. Yeah. Um, it made me recognize, like, oh yeah, I'm I'm dehumanizing. Or I'm putting in another league people who have less, people who have fewer things than me. And damn it, I'm a part of the system too. Of course. Of course. It only works because we all buy into it and we all think that it's 99.9% of us. Sure. (laughs) Sorry. uh, That was a necessary one. No, no. It's so I just want to validate for people that there is an alternative to this. You don't have to do this. You will be a weirdo if you don't think that (laughs) the things people have determine how good they are. But there are people who have successfully done that. And if more and more of us do that, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a possible alternative to our current reality. I think yeah, I think it's important to um again not just curse the darkness but to light a match. Um and for us the lighting of the match is just examining or opening the door to what else could there be and what don't we like about the system that exists. Yes. Discussed it from a framework of okay, so how would we change it or how would we design something that works better? But anyway, it's the question of worth equating to productivity in a capitalist society. You have to work towards having all these things, and you being busy, 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 busy is means that you are probably employed. Means that you are on this path towards financial gain or or wealth acquisition and so that you can own these things. And so that when you wake up and you look around your world, you feel worthy. Where did your dreams come from? 
What? Are your Where dreams, dreams your dreams own? I'm speaking to the oh. question asker, Dana, now. Uh, this is something that I think is important for every person to ask themselves as they strive for whatever it is they're striving for. Did I pick the things that I want? Did somebody mm-hmm. else tell me I wanted that? And I, mm-hmm. and one day I listened and thought that that was my, I forgot that that was someone else's idea. Is it, a, yeah. do I like that? Is that okay to me that I'm spending my life for someone else's idea of what's good? That I I get to live once and I'm choosing to devote my attention, my attention, my energy, my gifts towards something that someone else decided would be good for me to devote them to. Well, I think that how can you even tease apart when it crosses the line from something that someone told me to something that I want? I mean, that that so easily becomes internalized to, you know, you hear a message a few times or, or a friend recommends something to you and then it becomes something that you want. It. And where is that line? You get every idea comes from somewhere. I agree. I do believe only lately, so this isn't that fleshed out to me, mm-hmm. that a person has a, an essence that is untouched by the world that they were born into. And the way that the, like, the way that that person's essential nature manifests or the specific desires that it comes out through does have to do with their conditioning and their environment. For me, it's I want. Uh, music and fulfillment in understanding truth and communicating emotions with other people and forming a community around those shared experiences mm-hmm. and that shared understanding. Um, but if I wasn't exposed to music, then I wouldn't, it wouldn't, my desire to love people, that essential part of me, would not be, would not take that form. So I, I think that the form is always influenced by your world and other people. But um, if I had gone into a consulting route, which I had considered because a lot of my college classmates were doing that. And mm-hmm. I thought, I could do this. I could make a lot of money. I could get by. It would be safer. It would take mm-hmm. up a lot of my time. But, you know, I can live a comfortable life that way. And then I can kick the can down the road and make a decision once I retire at 50 or whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a thought that crossed my head a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, something that I'm very grateful to myself now. And I, I regretted it many points afterwards. I wish that I had just done that. But at this moment, the way that I am connecting with my um, essential nature and sharing my gifts with the world um, and learning to do that better make me very happy that I did not wholeheartedly pursue someone else's dream. So I want to ask, what is the advice to be called from that for Dana about how she chooses to spend her time and the the sort of compulsion towards productivity even though her body is telling her to rest because Listen she to your just body. yeah and if you feel resistance to the things that you're doing either they you you do not uh, you're not framing them in a way that it makes sense that your pain aligns with your values or the things that you're taking responsibility for are not actually in line with your values. And there is something that you are repressing about your life situation, which is causing you to not want to engage in the ways that you've, you've agreed to or taken responsibility for and question everything, melt in your chrysalis and allow yourself to be whoever you need to be. <laughs> and you just got married. That could be a very stressful time. I don't yeah. know anything about your relationship other than you just went on a honeymoon. If this is a, um, in my view, if this is a partner who is supportive of you, um, 
that is a person who will allow you the comfort and security and space to ask yourself these questions, which could transform you and could cause you to be a person with different values than the person that they initially were attracted to. Yeah. I think the other um, important thing to say, tacking onto that, is knowing that your partner supports you can then translate into, okay, where, why is there a discrepancy there for how I'm able to support myself? What's the support mm. that I know that this person, again, that's that internalized sort of good mother, yes. where it's like, okay, if I know that my partner in this moment or someone who really loves me would be gentle with me and allow me to just be stressed or be uh, feel guilty or whatever the feeling is or just be nothing um, and say, hey, that's okay. You need this time to do this. And productivity is just some arbitrary judgment based on an old program. You should just do whatever you want to do. I wonder to what extent can you pull that into your own internal narrative or your relationship with yourself? How can you provide more of that nurturing permissive voice to yourself in this moment and i and i mean it's it's not to say that there isn't validity or a motivating fact i mean i talked about that i talk about this a lot with clients and and to myself where i'm like you know we hold on to these voices in our head that stress us out and make us feel guilty and ultimately propel us into action because we think that they're going to keep us from falling into some pit of, oh, now I'm this horrible, lazy person that never does anything and never gets off my ass. Um, So we keep feeding those voices and allowing them to continue because we're like, well, it motivates productive action. It does this, it does that. But when you're in a state where really you should be allowing yourself to rest and that's what you truly need and that's really for your highest and best good, that's when it becomes important to question and weigh like, okay, I know this has served me in the past to have this guilt and this stress and to be kind of internally nagging myself all the time. But what's the cost of that? And being really uh, frank with yourself and thorough about what actually are the costs of constantly nagging myself when I'm actually trying to rest? Um, And why is it that it's really hard for me to kind of let myself off the hook? How do you know when you're resting too much? Exactly. I mean, it's very subjective. Yeah. And it's different for every person. It's different for every person. Different needs emotionally, physically. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are different. Our psyches are different. Yeah. And to to subscribe to somebody else's system of, oh, I sleep every night from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. And if you deviate from that, then you're off and you're going to have a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Is a is like <laughs> a recipe for disappointing a lot of people who have different needs. Mm-hmm. Some people yeah. need fewer hours than that. Some people need more, and it can fluctuate depending on the health of your your body and your psyche at that particular moment. To this yes. isn't always consistent across your life. Yes, it can fluctuate within yourself so over time. Here's the answer. I think then yeah. is that the real solution to these questions is to to provide attunement to yourself. And not seek that from other people yeah. because no one else can be consistently attuned to you because they're all dealing with their own issues. They may for a moment provide that type of perfect love and support that Mm -hmm. you're looking for. But if you count on your new husband or a boss or a parent or a, a friend for that, they, you, you hope that they will give you consistent attunement. They will inevitably let you down. And the only person who can do that for yourself is you. And even that takes a ton of practice yes. and you will let yourself down too. Um, but my suspicion. I think it's possible to be attuned to yourself better than anybody else. And of course consistently. better. 
But I think it's sort of uh, like an asymptote. Like you get closer, 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 closer until it's essentially the same thing, but it's never yeah. quite a hundred percent. I mean, I it think, effectively I think becomes. There are monks or people who dedicate their life to a spiritual practice of, con- of they are constantly attuned after after a certain point where they're a hundred percent. That's my. It's now like a semantics game, but that's yeah. my belief about it. I'm a question mark. Gotcha. There, but I'm an exclamation point. Yeah, sure. In my pants. Um, but for this person specifically. Um, you know, who I know personally and pretty well. Ah. Ah. The plot mm. thickens. The plot thickens. Emily Dickens. <laughs> and son of Emily Dickens. Oh, yeah. She did have the son of yeah, the other name. Yeah. Charles Dickens. That's what I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so this is someone who, you know, I know is has no shortage of desire to do things for other people. Yeah. And... It doesn't just that. sit there. You don't know that. But, and of course I want to give advice. I'm kind of assuming kind of a bad sure, person. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Danny. You seem great. Um, but, you know, I think it's, I think it's important for us to give the like bare minimum advice from just the information we like concretely know because yeah. for other listeners, sure. they don't have the context We don't know everybody who's relating to her right now. Right. Yeah. And so knowing her specifically, mm-hmm. I would tell her, you yeah. have all the justification in the world to rest and chill out. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know what the best exact prescription for what that is for you is. Mm -hmm. Um, However, as an outside source that you can then internalize to be an inside source among many other voices, I'm sure that you hear, you are totally entitled to rest and take this time off. Like you put so much effort and energy into planning that wedding and moving Mm. um, that all of that stuff is so much major life transition crammed into such a small uh, portion of time and you are changing gears from like this earlier chapter of your life to this next chapter of your life and so I think that it's really important for you to touch base with yourself deeply to lay the groundwork for a peaceful transition for you so you can start this next chapter feeling grounded and renewed mm-hmm. that's that's my like real personal sort of heart to heart advice to her. And I think that it probably applies to more than just her because often we think, uh, why am I so, why do I feel so overwhelmed? Why does it feel like so much is on my plate right now? This shouldn't be that hard. I should be be able to just jump out of bed and get productive and get started on this and do that and the other. But then when we really peel back, like, well, I did just move. Well, I did, my relationship status just changed and I did just have this new, Uh, you know, whatever role change with my job. And I did have a fight with my mom and it's like, you trace back all this stuff. And there is on the modern plate in the human psyche, there is just so much fucking shit going all the on all the time to process. Yeah. And it's during the time where you're struggling with it, which I've been quite, I've dipped down into quite a few times over the past couple of weeks. It's been tough. I've really had to, Mm. I've really struggled to remind myself, Hey, it doesn't all have to happen at once. There's a lot going on for you right now. We can wait until you feel better. Like I have this cold right now and I've been telling myself like, well, fuck, I got to get this done and that done and da da da. And what about this career and that career and this relationship and that relationship? And I drive myself nuts thinking about that I have to get it all done now. Yeah. But then when I'm out of it, like when the cold has passed and I'm feeling more energetic and I start rebuilding towards like, okay, now I'm like eating a little bit more towards my normal routine. I'm doing this a little bit better. And I start to reclimb that ladder. I always look back at where I was and go, why did I give myself such a hard time when I was feeling that shitty? 
I shouldn't have. But in in that moment, you're like, why can't I hold myself to this much higher standard? And that's a really hard place to be. And we have this really difficult cultural narrative of like, do, 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 do. And being just isn't good enough in that framework. And it sucks. And it's also, you're speaking to the masculinity bias. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you, if you would define that, I think that would be appreciated. Um, in simple terms that everyone's going to hate, masculine <laughs> is do, feminine is be, and sure. uh, the masculine is, is put out and feminine is take in, mm-hmm. is to like to listen versus speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so push yeah. versus pull, all of that. Um, so. And the healthiest thing is to balance. And the best people that I want to hang out with the most are the people who have a mature and balanced masculinity and femininity regardless of their gender. They don't have to be perfectly balanced. Most people, I think, mm-hmm. do um, find that they're more comfortable in one state or the other in a, a majority of situations for them. And this is, and I think that women are biologically de- predisposed towards femininity. And this, you're welcome to argue with me about. Please write in. Um, and I think that's our our cultural or societal bias against femininity and towards masculinity or devaluing of feminine work and of feminine ways of being are something that is terrible for women and terrible for men too in ways that they may not be as obvious. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, if we valued femininity more and just being, um, we might be happier and have a little less stuff and having less stuff might make us happier. Yeah. I totally agree. I would take a lot of stuff off of our plate if we weren't toiling in, you know, yes. so much. So many things to manage, so many decorations to organize. Yeah. So maybe the maybe a good sort of leaving piece of advice that's a little bit more actionable um, than just, hey, you know, relax, go easy on yourself, is if you're feeling that sense of, I wish I was doing more that guilt over specifically productivity. Yeah. Ask yourself, what can I do that's feminine? What can I do that endorses just being, how can I grow or develop or cultivate the side of me that isn't the doing side? Right. Because if I, if I try to nurture myself by doing something that's within the coding of the doing, you're just going to keep feeding that you're not actually going to rebalance and that, I think, is where that void comes. Yeah. When you are already in a doing framework and you're like, I need to do more, do more, do more, do more. I need to listen to this stress and guilt that the, all these voices yes. going on in my head. You're you're kind of you're continuing to feed the overly fed part of you. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how can you divert some of that energy away from feeding that doing part and reinvest it back into balancing the full equation so that both parts of you and then therefore the whole can function better with more harmony. I have a short story I'd like to share. Okay. This is something that I've struggled with uh, the last two months Mm -hmm. of uh, feeling like there's so much that I want to do and I'm stressed all the time because I'm so excited to do all of it and fuck, there's not time to get it done. And I start beating myself up for not doing things that I chose to do as a way of Mm -hmm. serving me. And now they're not serving me. They're crushing me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I talked to my therapist about this and I, without his advice, came up with a plan that I was going to go solo camping for 
uh, two days to simplify and disconnect and reconnect with myself because mm-hmm. I felt like myself had become all of these things that I'd surrounded myself with and obligations and people asking me to hang out and do this thing that I was excited about and I was excited about all of it and I was like ah I'm not doing enough I'm like I'm doing everything and mm. none of it's getting done mm. and so I've struggled in the past with figuring out what rest actually looks like what does a me day look like if I want to take time to recuperate I don't just lay in bed Mm-hmm. That's something you can do, but I, at a certain point after doing that for some hours, I get tired of that mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. doesn't any longer feel like rest. It feels like a challenge to stay in bed. So what is rest then? Yes. And often I would fall into, um, I don't know, smoking weed and playing video games or, uh, something that I would quickly become attached to doing something again mm. of finishing the game of beating the game. And then it was another accomplishment that I would stay up all night and I would stay up past when I started to get tired to do the thing. And then I was back in masculine mode when I was trying to take a time to be at rest. Mm. So this happened, of course, when I went out in the woods by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have cell phone signals, so that was nice. But I considered leaving a couple times to get things done. And as I was planning the trip, I kept thinking like, oh, I could bring all these books out with me and I could get all the books finished and I could <laughs> check them off my list. And I kept thinking of all the things that I had wanted to be doing. I could write this show that I'd been planning on writing. I could finally uh, like plan out this website that I've been th- thinking about making. And every time I got really attached to the idea and excited by it, I was like, ah, I'm avoiding the just being in the moment. I must have some resistance to that that's really strong because it keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. So what I did to trick myself Mm -hmm. was I decided, here's what I would like to accomplish with this day. (laughs) I'm going to set a goal of doing whatever the fuck I want to in the moment at that moment. And that'll be, if I can do that the whole day, then that will be my experiment. And the thing that I accomplish is to just be with my desire in the moment and If that means that I want to go for a walk, I go for a walk. And if it means I want to lay still and listen to the birds, I do that. If it means I want to eat, I cook for myself. And it means I want to go talk to somebody at another campsite, I do that. And I don't make any other plans beyond what I want to do right now. And I regularly through that day, believe me, kept living in the future Mm -hmm. and thinking like, ooh, when I get back, I can go listen to this song. I can go read this part of this book that would come up in handy in that conversation with that person later. Mm -hmm. And I kept resisting that of whatever I want to do in the moment, I'm going to do that instead of whatever I thought earlier would Mm -hmm. be a good idea to do now. Mm -hmm. And it was a great day. I think that some of the success of that, and I, I I first just applaud you for doing that at all. Obviously (laughs) you you had told me that before. So I, I'm not hearing this for the Uh, first time. And then just being like, I didn't talk about it on the podcast today. No, you didn't talk about it on the podcast, but we talked about it a little bit. Um, I think that what's so beautiful about that and what an important lesson in is it it in it is mm-hmm. <laughs> is that you trusted yourself to maintain that connection with yourself. Like I think some of the fear of wanting to fill your time with a productive activity is avoiding that well what if I lose connectedness with myself and I don't know what to do. It's like well, or what if I've never been connected to myself and I've ooh. never experienced the value of that? And I think of being alone as a always bad thing. And I see it as loneliness, not as solitude. Like that article that I posted, that's mm-hmm. what really mm-hmm. tipped me in that direction. Mm. Like, Oh, I'm craving solitude. Huh? Okay. How do I get that? Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's it's maintaining, just like you said before, that attunement with yourself, because what feels right and what feels like rest in one moment might be physical rest laying down. And what but then, like you said, a few hours later, that's not going to feel like the most healthy thing. It's not Mm going to feel like the most balanced thing to keep, quote unquote, resting. Right. So rest it's like self care, yeah. I think, is the real right. the thing that encompasses that rest of like laying down with your eyes closed. Yeah. But it often I realize like that's not what I need completely. Like when I take mm-hmm. the weekend off or something after a long period of work, I wouldn't want to lay in bed. And I was like, all right, what is what does recuperating look like? What does self care look like? Mm-hmm. And I discussed this a lot with my therapist. He recommended I make a list and mm-hmm. something that I can reference. I was like, okay, sometimes it's dancing to music, and that doesn't look like rest. But it's actually what self-care is for me. That's something that I have an urge to do that I feel better afterwards when I've done it. And I feel like ready to go do something new mm-hmm. that is less immediately appealing. I mm-hmm. feel prepared for that. And I was like, okay, that's my test. That's what, yeah. how I figure out what is self-care for me. Yeah. And I think sometimes that list can come from, okay, what do I know that I've done in the past that's made me feel good when yes. I've been sort of in this mode? Yes. Or just a quick body scan, just Mm -hmm. mentally going through the different parts of your body and asking them what would feel good for this right now? Like, what would my feet like right now? What would my legs like right now, you know? Progressive muscle relaxation is on my self-care list. Sure, exactly. So some of them might be things that you've already learned. Can I read this list? (laughs) Would that be helpful, Dana? Seems like you want to. (laughs) No. Go ahead. Read I list. find other people's lists inspiring because sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah, I haven't Great. done that thing in years, but that's actually really good. Yeah. Do you think that Dana would be aided in hearing my list? Sure. Of course. Really? I'll do it. I'll fucking do it. If you ask to do it one more time, though, I'm going to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> uh, freestyle to a rap instrumental. Mm-hmm. Dance to a song in my living room. Meditate with deep breaths. Run. Sauna, lift weights, cold shower, drink a kombucha gingerade, cook myself food I like, read something interesting, listen to Joe Rogan's voice on a podcast, (laughs) toes to nose, progressive muscle relaxation, foot rub with coconut oil, Mm -hmm. stretch, Mm -hmm. vibrating massager on back and hips. Call a friend on the phone. That's a good one. Sit on the balcony, watch the fire, and listen to the night. Mm. Yeah. I like that those last couple ones were like receiving nature. I think that's something we definitely don't. I mean, that's a good general prescription for like an antidote to modern life. Yeah. It's just going outside, like putting yourself, immersing yourself in an environment that's peaceful, where you're not being like called to do anything specific that is like your regular life but you're instead opened into this like play space where you're like "Ooh, maybe i'll climb a tree or like maybe i'll follow a creek or maybe i'll count the stars things that things that engage that little child self or that feminine self um Uh and connect us back to something more primal i think can also all all be really really fulfilling in a modern context i would like to share a poem about this (laughs) Okay. <laughs> I wrote this one of the first times that I did mushrooms. Mm-hmm. One day, I put away all the mirrors and all the clocks. I was terrified. I loved it. Thank you. 
Yeah, when we Mirrors don't have that reference clocks. point. Yourself, yourself uh concept your self-consciousness and how you appear to others and then your sense of time yeah nature is something that can help you get rid of both of those things yeah um what is a what is the ideal toy for a child in feminist utopia what is the opposite of a mirror sand yes did, really? did you know that no i just guessed that's <laughs> 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 it's like sand and mud. That's yeah. the, so this is from a, um, a collection of essays called a Feminist Utopia Project. Fuck yeah, I feel so awesome. I opened the, the book to this page in the store and I read this like one paragraph thing that was the title was what I just said. And I was like, oh, I want this book. So I got it. I mm -hmm. read it. Um, the idea the author was presenting was uh, children's toys today in this feminist dystopia that we're living in are mirrors. They are uh, cell phones with front-facing cameras that allow you to see yourself and allow you to see how other people see you and distort that and it's all about how you look mm -hmm. and a good children's toy is one that makes them forget how they look it's one that gets things dirty and messy mm. and is not um, wrapped up in presentation and the adult um, concern with appearance and the earlier and earlier that kids are corrupted by that type of thought the more and more disconnected they are from their essence or the less and less they have time experiencing it and like being in that childlike play of carefree play. Fantastic. I was kind of thinking it was like a mirror shows you like something that is and sand encourages you to build uh, something that's not yet. That's also true. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So go Go play, play in the sand. sand or mud or dirt and roll around, find a dead bird and eat it. Like there's no, that's a wives tale that they have diseases and that's why they died. It probably uh, hit a car. But yeah, D don't eat any birds. Just go out in the sand. Pluck the feathers first. Dirty. <laughs> yeah. I think letting yourself be dirty is a really interesting um, prescription for the yeah. modern day. I think so. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Mm. Put your cell phone away when you do it. <laughs> Leave it at home for one thing. Yeah. If it's safe. If you want to. That's what I would do. That's, That's what Rob would this do. This is my advice. Um, and my advice is it doesn't matter. My my big advice, my the big, 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 big my, the biggest advice I can give mm -hmm. is all of this is optional. Totally. <laughs> because it's all us speculating about what would feel good for you. And you have to do that investigation of what feels good for I you. I mean, zoom out even farther. Oh. I have this idea, which I shouldn't share in the podcast, but you know what? I'll let you guys in on a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I have this idea for a whole brand called mm. Optional. Mm. And the the motto or slogan is everything is optional. Mm -hmm. It's just a reminder to people that. And what would this be? Like, what, what would it be? I don't know, t-shirts and shit. Okay, okay. Fucking, it could be anything. It's optional. Mm -hmm. you, it could mm -hmm. be stickers that you put on shit. Mm -hmm. It's just a reminder. It's the word optional. Mm -hmm. um, when someone tells you to do something, that's optional. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, take it all with a grain of salt. If you want. If you want. Maybe. <laughs> I want to close by saying uh, I wish I had been more attuned to your needs at the beginning of this podcast. And I feel... Thank you. I feel guilt about... Um, Launching into a character without telling me. <laughs> uh, not so much that. I think that's fine to do oh, okay. in my mind. It's um, not responding to 
and re- really not remembering that you had been struggling lately. And when you said mm. that you had dips back mm. into that place mm-hmm. and, uh, like 10 minutes ago or so, mm-hmm. I thought, oh man, I wasn't considering that when I was pushing her earlier in the episode and like being more aggressive in my play with you in a way that I knew was challenging you or making you uncomfortable and normally I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was thinking about how this is affecting me and not what it must feel like from her perspective, which I would like to do more. I would like to be more attuned to you and to people that I care about in general. Yeah. I, I can forgive myself for not being perfect at it because totally. I don't have complete information. But in this case, I did have enough information to, if I was thinking about it more and not so wrapped up in how fun this is for me to yeah. have not made you uncomfortable like that. Um, I mean, I think I had concerns. My concerns were like twofold. One of them was, you know, normally we talk a lot about like, or or to some extent, like what we expect from one another when we sit down to record and like how, like maybe what questions we're going to use or what structure we're going to try. And, you know, obviously I wasn't prepared for you to like full on be the character. Um, and so I kind of like floundered in that. And and so I have my own self-consciousness about like, well, how, what is it going to look like for me to like not have been able to like handle this, um, or, you know, sort of rise to the challenge of just being with whatever you're presenting me. Um, but then the other concern was, okay, I don't know to what extent this is entertaining for the listener or validating or invalidating of the, the, the Defica. person, Defica, the person who we're actually like talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I, I, I like to think that I've, I get to a point where it's like, okay, it doesn't matter if I look good or bad or if I look able to answer this question or not or able to sort of like be cool on my own podcast or not or look like an expert or not um but i had concerns about you know are they are the listeners going to be confused and just like not know what this is not know what to do with it because it's a pretty big departure from like how we normally do something but then i was just like all right well i mean you know is the overall intention of the podcast for me to be comfortable and for every episode to do the exact same thing and to never surprise our listeners. Like, no, um, it's to play with this medium and to be vulnerable in a different way. And for me, that was like something that was really felt really vulnerable for me. Um, both in terms of like how I felt like I would be perceived and in terms of like how the quality of this overall product of this episode would be perceived. Mm -hmm. Um, But ultimately like who gives a shit because (laughs) the whole point is to play and to explore and not to be beholden to some rigid formula of what this should be. (laughs) I don't know who gives a shit. I don't know. (laughs) You're using those, those words they uh, point out to me that I know exactly where my desire for doing that came from, Mm. given my larger improv experience Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to explain it to you on the air or off the air if you want. Uh, But the more important thing that I want to say is um, it's more important to me that you feel like you trust me and like Mm. I'm not going to uh, do something that you'd hate or that makes you look bad <laughs> on air that mm-hmm. like you feel supported by me as mm. a podcast partner. Mm-hmm. That's more important than the individual bit or idea that I have. Um, so what I think I'm doing now is what I believe you've told me you like to, that you enjoy 
showing vulnerability and discomfort and then mm-hmm as long as you have an opportunity to like mm. be authentic about it and tell people that yeah. and so that they can see your struggle and like kind of relate and watch how you react in situations mm-hmm. where you are uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's my attempt, I guess, in this apology is to <laughs> what? It isn't an apology. I, I it is. <laughs> Maybe I hate people qualifying apologies about like that wasn't an apology. This was an apology. Like that, that's just it rubs me. The, I, it's clear that I'm trying to express yeah. some type of regret, remorse, and mm. maybe if I use one word wrong, someone's gonna latch on to like, that wasn't a good apology or like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm mm-hmm. taking responsibility that I could have done better and I'd like to do better in the future. Whatever you call that, if it's not an apology, that um, yeah. is what I'm trying to say to you. And um, I think I'm doing that as a, on the air as opposed to off the air as because you've told me that you value this um, mm-hmm. exposure of like, what it's like to be in an uncomfortable situation and then to like talk to the audience about how to deal with it. Yeah. Be a role model in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, my definition of is something is, is something an apology is like, does the person just say, I'm really sorry for doing that and not like, I'm really sorry that you felt that way. And like that this and that and the other happened. And it's it's like, Whoa, okay. Now you're not apologizing. You're just being like, I'm still right. It's an expression of (laughs) of a feeling of guilt. Hmm. I think you can apologize for things that even you don't take responsibility, like that you don't think were your, like you did anything wrong. But if you're telling someone you feel Mm. guilt about it, Hmm. even if you logically say like, look, we both agree that I did what I had to in that situation, but I'm also sorry. It's it's kind of a complicated issue. It really is. And that's kind of why I was like, well, I want to like take this moment because I was really thinking about lately. I've been thinking about like, what does it mean to apologize? And like, what is a really sad, what is a satisfying apology to receive and what is a really yeah. unsatisfying apology to receive? And sometimes when, especially like a public figure, for example, like does some giant fuck up that like ruins their image and Lucy they try K. to apologize. Sure. Like, I think there are some apologies or the, what I think people want. No, no apology in that setting is going to satisfy everyone because everyone has their own, everyone wants to be mad. But hmm. I think that I've, I've struggled personally with this because there were a lot of things that no one that, that that were like done to me that were just acted like, well, this is just how it is. And and there was never any, any attempt by the person who perpetrated it to just say, I'm sorry, or like yeah. I made a mistake, admit any level of fault. Um, and so for me, I find apologies that don't have that, that, humbling of the self and that graciousness to them to be really frustrating and not like it's where someone's apologizing but still trying to like preserve their ego in it the easiest way to ruin an apology is by adding an excuse Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's like i don't care if you like did something that later you're like oh actually upon evaluating that that Mm -hmm. wasn't a good move i'm so sorry that i blew you off uh, but my mm. boss was really mean to me at work that day. It's like, oh, of course you had why'd, a reason. Why'd you say, but <laughs> yeah, can't you just end the sentence? No. Yeah. Cause that would be taking credit. That would be taking responsibility for it. And you mm-hmm. need to give your boss responsibility for you blowing mm-hmm. me off mm-hmm. or like soften it or I whatever. Do, I think that it's important to explain things though. Like this was sure. an, an issue that came up at my high school as well as, uh, janitors mm-hmm. and custodians, um, well, just I, I almost said something about that in the mm-hmm. watching people from the couch mm-hmm. while you're crocheting one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but we're now not on that topic. We're on <laughs> apology. Oh, excuses. Uh-huh. I had a teacher who was like, I don't want to hear any excuses if you don't get your homework done. Never give an excuse. It doesn't matter. If it's not done, it's done. And I said, yeah. well, doesn't it matter why somebody does something? Because mm-hmm. doesn't that give you a better predictor of their future behavior? Like mm-hmm. if somebody didn't do their homework because the bus on the track team broke down and they didn't get home until the next morning for school and they valued that hour of sleep more or something, wouldn't you be okay with that more than somebody who got home and wanted to play video games so didn't do their homework for that? Like, doesn't it matter why a person does what they do? And shouldn't that be taken into account in evaluating, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. picking a person or ranking people or whatever you're doing in the system? And uh, teacher did not appreciate this, but I've always... (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) I've always wrestled with that. Like, and I think religions do too, of is a person judged by their Mm. actions or their intent? And I know Islam uh, is about checking your intentions. Um, Something I learned recently from a Dave Chappelle audiobook. (laughs) Dave Chappelle kept saying, you got to check your intentions when you're doing Mm. that. And there's Mm -hmm. a theory that he's Muslim and secretively so. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a lot of backing. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah. Um, I do think a person's intentions are the best predictor of what they're going to do next is that's what's in their heart and that's what they should be judged for, not the outcome of their actions. And I think that that's really important when you're evaluating yourself too, when you're just having that dialogue within yourself of yeah. like, am I allowed to do this? Was this okay? It's like, well, be really honest with yourself about what you really were intending there. Yeah. If, because there sometimes is a gray area. If you're feeding the homeless so that you can fuck your boss's underage daughter, you're not doing a good thing, <laughs> you know? That's exactly the example I was thinking of. Is it? Wow, no. we're so alike. I'm so glad we did this podcast. It's like looking in a mirror. Wow, yeah. It's like looking at sand. <laughs> it's like looking at sand. We are sand. We are right. sand. Um, with your needs in mind, I'd like to give you the opportunity to end the podcast now. Is this a good time to? I would love to end the podcast. Let's We've been talking podcast. forever. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm this not sure fun, it's good guys. at all. <laughs> uh, I'm confident this is our best episode. I would give it. I would give it an A. I would give it an A. I don't want to give it an A plus, but no, uh, no I'm giving it an A plus. I think it was rambly and unfocused, um, but I actually sometimes I always think that. So who the fuck knows? But I'm I think it's long. Excited for you to listen to it. I will. Mm, I really have to listen to Put it, it on I while guess you're so. playing World of Warcraft. Two doing. things I don't do. Oh. Well, be me. <laughs> Wouldn't, Wouldn't you, you love that? Not, Wouldn't you love if I was you? What? Uh, I was looking for the usual error, which is a oh. book about talking to other people, assuming that they are you. you. That's the usual error. Yeah. Um, and I was going to show her, like, what do you mean you're not me? <laughs> Point to the book. Haven't you read this book? <laughs> <laughs> I have. Typical. I you have. Yeah. Typical white man. Okay, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> just I'm kidding. just saying, it, it, my main advice is if you're struggling, just ask your rich father for a handout, you know? Just do that and then count on society to um, bolster you and accept you in every way and not discriminate against you. And if you're not doing that, like, what are you doing? Free advice, free free advice. advice. Would you like some free advice?